I'm Billy Buttery, and this is Food is Culture, a podcast. Today, my guest and I talk all things Italian food. Hello, ciao, si, buongiorno, my favorite. <laughs> Today's guest, Kristen, is wonderful. I immediately felt such a kinship with her. She is a new friend, and obviously, as you can hear from our chat, our shared love of food, feeding our children, and Italian food in general, I could have spoken to her for hours. She shares her stories of connecting with her heritage and family lineage through food. I don't want to tell her story, so I'll let you listen, but I will say her reigniting her passion for Italian food and cooking and finding her voice again recently is so inspiring. I'm so honored she shared her story with me. It's deep. And so is cooking. It's therapeutic. It connects you to your truest self. I hope I'm not butchering this term, but sprezzatura, a term coined by an Italian author in the 1500s, meaning the art of looking great, but without fussiness. Sprezzatura is a nonchalance, consuming all effort and making the finished product or outfit look stylish and polished. And that's what comes to mind when I think of an Italian food. Stracciatella soup or bruschetta, elegant in their simplicity. Cooking can be fancy, but ultimately a meal made with love and care shared with those you enjoy. Bellissimo. Hi, thank you for joining me today. Hello, Billy. Oh, there we go. <laughs> how are you? Yeah, like, oh, that must be her introduction to the podcast. Oh, how cute. <laughs> I you often I do this kind of stuff. No worries. Well, I'm so happy to have you tonight. Thank you for having me. Um, so I want to jump right in. So what is your cultural background? Well, I'm American, but my family roots are in Germany, Ireland, and Italy. And I like I like to joke with my relatives, that my soul may be Irish, but my palate is Italian. <laughs> Me too. I'm Canadian, but my palate is definitely, you know, has a strong Italian hold. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, Italian foods are so yummy. Mm-hmm. We never knew a whole lot about my mom's Italian relatives until actually, I want to say about four or five years ago, because her dad left the picture when she was a little girl and her dad's relatives were all from a little teeny, teeny town in the Campania region of Italy called um, Casal Valino. Mm-hmm. And we never really got to know them. It wasn't until she reconnected with them through Facebook that we even got any kind of family history. But prior to that, I started watching cooking shows with my mom when I was a teenager and something about Italian cooking, it I just latched onto it. There was something so special about it. And for me, it was a way to connect to ancestors I might not have known about otherwise. I know that sounds a little woo-woo. No, I love that. Yeah. I took Italian language courses in college and would love to go to Italy someday, but I really latched onto Italian cooking and Italian food. It's 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 just, it's very, it's soul food. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's soul food. Totally. Well, I love that. So you had such a draw to Italian culture from, from, you know, high school and then took Italian language classes. And then you found out that you actually, you know, have this, this lineage. Just amazing. It was really neat to find out. Um, now my mom, I always laugh because my mom doesn't speak a lick of Italian. Like she can say a couple of words here and there. She remembers picking up from her relatives as a kid, but once she rediscovered her Italian family, her Italian cousins, one of them uh, goes to Italy all the time. He is a musician, so he performs in Italy pretty frequently. And uh, he put a bid on a house in Casal Valino, where the family is from. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, you got, you got to come out here and stay with me. And it overlooks the ocean. And I always thought it was very fitting that my mom, who is a big beach person, has always felt drawn to the ocean and especially like 
very, very blue water, like the Pacific or the Mediterranean. And I was not surprised when I saw pictures of this part of Italy in Campania, where it overlooks the Amalfi coastline. And it's just turquoise water as far as the eye can see. So it wasn't a huge surprise to see that, you know, um, people talk about ancestral DNA and just things you sort of innately remember or are drawn to. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, that sounds so wonderful. Is that one of the cities? I know, um, I don't know if they still do it in Italy, but in some smaller towns in Italy, you can buy houses or land for relatively cheap because they want to um, bring, you know, younger people and people that are going to come and revitalize the towns um, back to the country. I don't know if that's one of the cities. I don't know if that's one of the, the cities. Um, I think he just got lucky and found a place in this, in uh, Casalvalina, I think he just happened to be in the right place at the right time and found it because the owner is, I think she's a very elderly lady mm-hmm. and is either going to be moving in with family or moving into a smaller apartment. So I'm not really sure if that if that's a part of that revitalization project. I, I do know that when my cousin Joe is there, they, they treat him more or less like he's family. Mm-hmm which is, I think, absolutely lovely. Mm -hmm, For sure. I mean, Italians are such a warm people and to know what Italian is to sit at their table and eat with them. You know, I I love that about even Italian restaurants. It's a very, you know, big family style. Um, Everybody has a seat, you know, everyone has a fork, you know, I love that. Everybody has a glass of wine, including the kids, which I think is, (laughs) it's true. It's a really nifty little Italian tradition. Like they give even not, I'm not talking like itty bitties. I'm talking like nine, 10 year olds, a teeny, teeny little glass of wine. Yeah. And you know, I love how in Italian culture, um, they use a lot of food metaphors. Um, One of the things that they like to say about a person who is, you know, very down to earth and good nature, they say that they are buono come il pane, good like bread. Um, Oh, I've never heard that before. I love that. I love that too. I read that um, in an Italian cookbook (laughs) a number of years ago. But I just love that. And it's, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, on the podcast, a girlfriend of mine taught me a phrase, um, hi, mangiato bene, which means, have you eaten well today? And it's a way that Italians, especially in the South, greet each other. And I just thought that was so fantastic because if you've eaten well, then you've pretty much had a good day. Si, è vero, mi piace. I like, oh, I've never heard that one before. I'm going to, I'm going to shamelessly steal that one and start using it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great it's a great phrase i love it i like that a lot and that's that's true food is such a a central part of italian culture it's a little sad because they're becoming what i would consider much more americanized but they still hold on to that that lovely tradition of the midday siesta for lunch where everything closes down for about two hours in the middle of the day and everyone goes home and has a good lunch and a rest and a glass of wine. And then they go about the rest of their afternoon. Mm-hmm. It was very civilized. I love it. It is. It's very, it's very civilized. It's very family oriented. And um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just so lovely. I think. Do you, so did you eat much Italian food growing up? Not really. <laughs> so I'm going to be totally honest. Not really. It wasn't until I was in high school that my mom and I, we started getting into certain cooking shows together. Like we both loved um, Lydia Bastianich. Yes. We loved um, Gata De Laurentiis and um, 
Tyler Florence, actually, whose name does not sound Italian, but he does have some Italian roots and taught some Italian recipes. And we started watching these cooking shows and we were salivating over the ingredients they were using, like the really big, beautiful olives and the sun-dried tomatoes and the really fresh fish or the really, you know, the really good meat and all the all the beautiful Italian cheeses. So we just, we both developed an interest in it from there. Mm-hmm. And my mom was the first to really start cooking. Like I remember making a homemade ciabatta with her wow. in her kitchen at home. And she used to make uh, this fabulous bruschetta topping. It was just diced tomatoes and fresh minced garlic and balsamic vinegar and olive oil and salt and pepper. And it's not very complicated, but you let that sit overnight and then you put it on a nice crusty slice of bread the next day. Oh, it was heaven. So good. Oh my goodness. I can't wait for your first trip to Italy. The first time I had bruschetta in Italy, I, I like, I just thinking about it now, like I die, like the tomatoes, the basil, the, you know, the flatbread, it's just so Oh my goodness. It's, it's like, I remember, I remember, I think it was my first day in Rome. I had just landed and I met a girlfriend and I was starving and she's like, okay, let's just get into the city. Cause we were staying at the the Hilton just outside of Rome. So we get Mm -hmm. into the city and we sit down at a restaurant and I was like, oh, they have bruschetta. And I just remember eating it and like the olive oil dripping down my chin. (laughs) It was so good in the hot, you know, Roman sun. And, um, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. I can't wait for you to go. <laughs> you have been to Italy. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yes. I've been a couple times. Yeah. And my, we actually, my husband and I, we went on our honeymoon. Um, I'd been a couple times before then and I love it so much. So I, for our honeymoon, we, uh, we went and my husband fell in love with Italy and he fell in love with Rome, which is mm-hmm. my favorite city. So we actually named our son Rome. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's so cute. I love that. Yeah. So I I hear you. Everything uh everything you're saying I'm loving. Yes. <laughs> Viva Italia. <laughs> Viva Italia. Well, do you remember? So where did you grow up in the states? I grew up in Western Maryland, actually in a fairly small rural community. And then I went to college out in Baltimore. I went to Towson University and at the time it was a uh, College of Notre Dame in Baltimore. I have a degree in theater arts and secondary education, which, you know, I don't use at all nowadays, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. And that was yeah. when I got into my own apartment and got out of dorm living. That was when I really started to cook, like for realsies cook, mm-hmm. because finally I had my own kitchen and my own cooking ware, and I didn't have to, you know, share a dorm kitchen that had been built in 1963 <laughs> yeah. and had the appliances to match. <laughs> so that was when I really started playing around with different Italian recipes because that was, that was just the food I felt called to making. I did a lot of Rachel Ray recipes, a lot of Giada De Laurentiis, um, like chicken with um, mushrooms in a balsamic cream. I did a uh, Chicken piccata, I love to make chicken piccata. Risotto is still my favorite thing to make on the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. Well, risotto um, is just, you. there's no way to not infuse so much love into it when you make risotto. Because you're you're just, you know, you're standing there and stirring, yep. giving it all that love. Yes, yes. And I love how much you can play with it. My kids like the, what I would consider a very basic risotto recipe made with mushrooms and peas and Parmigiano-Reggiano. But I also really like to do one in the fall that's either got pumpkin in it or mm. butternut squash. Oh, that sounds good. I would consider it very grown-up flavors, but very 
warm and comforting and just the the combination of the cheeses and the butternut squash and the nutmeg is it, it's just to die for. Mm, that sounds like fall in a bowl. That sounds wonderful. Yes. And my kids particularly like um, stracciatella soup. They will ask for it by name. Now, it's hilarious to hear my six-year-old son try to pronounce the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We always get what he, you know, I understand what it is he's talking about. And I like to make it when I don't feel good or when they're not feeling good. Yeah. I love that. My favorite that I make risotto is um, asparagus. Like in the spring, really, really early spring, late winter, when the asparagus is still like, you know, very tiny and just fresh and new with gargonzola. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Ooh. That sounds divine. Yeah. It's and it, like you get these little pockets of gargantua that haven't melted all the way through and it's just so delicious. Now I've heard, I don't know, maybe it's something that you've made where they put, they make a savory risotto, but it's made with mascarpone cheese and strawberries. Mm, well, I've had risotto with mascarpone, but I haven't had it with strawberries. That sounds delicious. That was, a, I think it was a Lydia Bastianich cookbook, but I read that. I'm like, man, that, I don't, I don't know if that would be like almost, that almost sounds more dessert-like. Yeah, that sounds so good though. Like, I feel like I'd have that as like a picnic lunch, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that sounds so it good. Be real fresh with the strawberries in it. Ooh. Mm -hmm. yeah. One of my favorite Lydia episodes was she makes focaccia, but she puts a whole hard-boiled egg in it and mortadella. And I've always wanted to do that. So I should, I should try that actually. I haven't thought about that in years. I haven't seen her show in years. Maybe this would be a good time to experiment with it because that just sounds really wholesome and yummy and would be fun to play with too. Totally. And that's another, I think, like good picnic food or on the go snack with the kids, you know, because it's all like you have everything you need. It's bread and uh, mm -hmm. the egg, the protein, the mortadella, which my 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 one and a half year old is obsessed with mortadella. Like she won't salami, no ham, no turkey, no, like only mortadella. <laughs> Oh, that's cute. That's adorable. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And my son, who's now four, he um he used to like it, but he used to call it Della. Mommy, can I have some Della? I'll have some Della. <laughs> but now he's he's more into the prosciutto now. Yeah, because they're so funny. Oh. My my mom always pronounced as brojute, which is a, it's the regional dialect where her family's from brojute. But I like that Della. That's adorable. Aww. So cute, right? Yeah, kids are kids. I love the way the kids, you know, pick up on the pick up on the words and then they kind of impart that. They make it their own. Yeah, totally. Um, so growing up, did you have um any like German or Irish influences in your food? Not actually, sadly, not really. My mother's mother, her family was from Germany, but you know what? They didn't really talk about it very much. And it was just a generational thing where um, they didn't talk about where they came from in Germany or the family's roots. And my grandmother, oh gosh, how many siblings did she have? I feel like she was one of the younger siblings out of 11. Oh, wow. So her mother didn't have a whole lot of time to devote to my grandma. So we never knew much about them. And Similarly, on my dad's side, the Irish side of the family, my grandparents both died before I was born. So I never really knew them. And we just kind of knew that the family was Irish. It wasn't until, I think it wasn't until my cousin, Eric, started really digging into family genealogy. And he talked to one of my great aunties about where the family originally comes from in County Cork, which is in the southern part of Ireland that we really started to know more about 
that side of the family. And as I got older, I started to connect more with my Irish roots. It was just something that grew out of reading more about Celtic culture. I got really interested. And I, I, do, I do enjoy Irish food. I do enjoy Irish cooking. I make a really good Irish soda bread and I make a pretty good shepherd's pie. But it, as delicious as it is, it, isn't, it just doesn't do it for me the way Italian food does. Like if I'm, if I'm going to have company over, I'm going to you know, bust out the chicken cacciatore recipe. You know, <laughs> yes. Risotto, or I'm going to make a big bowl, a big pot of minestrone soup. It's, it's just, it's what I go to. You're preaching to converted. I mean, I love Italian food. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also, I've been to Cork in Ireland and it is, it's so beautiful. Um, and when I think of Cork, I think of, you know, one of my favorite things to do was there was um, like a farmer's market right in sort of like the center of town. And I would wander in and there would be a, a guy selling sausages, but he'd fry them up for you right there if you wanted it when he did fried onions. But the booth next to him was a bread booth and you could buy a bun <laughs> from him and then bring it over to the sausage guy and he'd slap a sausage with some uh, caramelized onions in there. And it was just so delicious and just kind of wander, you know, throughout the town and by the water and <laughs> so lovely. And you know, Oh, they did that on purpose, right? You know, that of course, like, you know, we set up our food stalls next to each other, help each other out here. Yeah, exactly. And then you know, you could pick up like a Mickey or something, and you know, mm-hmm. paper bag it on the way walk for your walk. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, you've been to all the places I want to go. <laughs> well, you know, I was a flight attendant for a few years, so that that helped with the travel. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's cool. Okay, that is cool. That is very. Honestly, it was such a great experience. And I think um, for, you know, anyone who is recently out of college or thinking, you know, taking maybe a gap year going before they go to college, or I actually did it while I was in, while I was in school. Um, it's invaluable life lessons and um, just the, you know, the cost of traveling is so cheap, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really get to, you know, visit a whole bunch of places and meet a whole bunch of different people. So oh yes, I recommend it. Huh. Uh, you know what? That's something I might file away in my mental Rolodex for when my kids are of that age. Because maybe totally. that they would do it, kind of cure their wanderlust a little bit. Like go out and see the world and explore and get exposed to some different cultures. And then maybe yeah. think about what you want to do with your life. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I also think that, I mean, working in the service industry, you have such a respect moving forward for anyone else that you encounter in the service industry. Um, so I think that, you know, at some point in everyone's lives, they should be, you know, a waitress or a barista or a flight attendant or work retail because the people that work retail, oh my goodness, they have like the hardest job oh, out of anybody. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I worked in retail for about four and a half years in college. I worked for Godiva Chocolatier and then I waited tables a number of times. And I tell you what, after those experiences, I treat salespeople and, and retail workers and food service workers, like, I don't know, angels or something. It's just like, oh, <laughs> I know, I know all the crap we catch all day long. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a hard job. Well, I want to know more about, so your childhood. So like growing up as sort of like an American, what would you say was like your favorite holiday and your favorite holiday food? Well, oh gosh, well, the two favorite holidays in my house were Halloween and Christmas. 
And they still are. Just, you know, with Halloween, we always loved getting the house all spooky and the dressing up. I mean, I'm 35 years old and I still dress up on Halloween because... My kind of lady, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's half the fun. It's like, it's, come on. It's one night of the year to, you know, just kind of let, let your inner child out and have some fun. Yeah. And of course, you know, the food, you know, I love fall food because it seems like there's so much and it's so diverse. Apple, everything, cinnamon, everything. I didn't really care much for pumpkin until I got to be an adult, Mm -hmm. but pumpkin and roasted squash and just those nice, lovely, warming, smoky flavors. And of course, in early autumn, you get all the fresh peaches and grapes come into season and all that. And um, Christmas was the other big holiday. It was the favorite in our family for you know all the obvious reasons. We were always very experimental around Christmas time once I got to be about, I want to say about 11 or 12 years old. And that was just because as my brother and I got older, we got more interested in cooking and baking. We were always helping my mom and dad bake. So it sort of started off with the baking bug. Like one year, I must have been about 12. I made a, a Christmas stolen, that German... It's a sweet enriched bread wrapped around marzipan. Mm-hmm. One year I made that just for fun, just because I could. One year I made a gingerbread house from scratch. Oh, wow. My mom and I, a couple of years, we made lasagna for Christmas Eve dinner instead of, you know, the traditional roast turkey and stuff. My dad always likes to have minced pie around Christmas time or apple pie because that's what his mother used to make around that time of year. And usually on Christmas morning, now after I got to be an adult, I would make either frittatas for breakfast, little baby frittatas in their own individual ramekins, or I would make a patate frite wove, which is potatoes cut into matchsticks and fried, pan fried in olive oil. And then you crack eggs on top and you just let the eggs cook until desired doneness. Mm, that sounds so good. So I would make that on Christmas morning. And that that was just, it, I think it's because we had more time. You know, my dad would mm-hmm. take some time off of work. My brother and I would be off of school. So we got very experimental around Christmas time with what we were cooking and serving and wanting to serve to other people if we were having company coming over. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's the lore of Christmas time is everyone's kind of has some time off. You have more time to do things and really, I don't know if salivate is the right word, yeah. but it's the word that's coming to my mind. Salivate in the preparation of all of these amazing foods and take that extra time and, you know, really enjoy the ritual around it. There is a very special ritual around holiday foods because we, I think we make them with a little bit more care. Mm-hmm. I read a quote, oh gosh, this was a number of years ago that Cooking is this beautiful act of love and artistry, and you get to really let your creativity shine. And cooking dinner is the thing you do in 20 minutes time because everybody's starving to death and they're getting on your nerves. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, And that's not an inaccurate statement because I know when I have time off of work, that's when I really like to have more fun with my food as opposed to sort of functionally preparing food. Totally. That reminds me of, you know, a meme that I saw recently that was like, you know, it's, I love hanging out around 5.30 wondering what my mom is going to make me. But then I remember that I'm the mom and I have to get dinner (laughs) on the table in 10 minutes. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And yeah, that's, it's true. It it hits home. (laughs) That is true. That is absolutely true. Well, now with your kids, what is their favorite besides the soup? Besides what is their favorite like holiday food that they always look forward to? Oh gosh. Let's see. You know, they're very adventurous eaters and I don't know what I did to deserve it, but they're fairly adventurous eaters. Let's see their favorite holiday foods. 
Well, my oldest boy, Gavin, he, oh gosh, you know, he likes everything. <laughs> I really, I mean, I really, except for peppers. I can't think of a, of a holiday food that he doesn't like. It's actually, you know what? It's on it. To be honest, it's a slightly difficult question to answer because I was married to um, a, a an abusive partner for about six and a half years, which is about the age of my oldest child. And we had three children together. And one of the weird things that he exerted control over was dietary choices. Mm-hmm. It, so there were a lot of things that were on the no fly list while I was married. And, and now having roots in, you know, Western Europe, it, it kind of hurts because I love bread. Like I, I love bread. I love baking it. I love the smell of the yeast when it's proving and when it's in the oven. I love slicing it and serving it with whatever, you know, and that was one of those things that was on the no fly list. Um, Bread, a lot of grains, a lot of dairy, um, a lot of food was just not permitted. And since I had very little control over the grocery shopping or anything else there, I just kind of, you know, made do. So it, that question's a little hard to answer just because my children's diets were very, very limited up until when I left last year. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm glad that you are now your own, your own chef. Freedom! <laughs> Freedom. Bread. Carbs. And you know, and you know what? <laughs> Actually, food was a very large part of coming back to who I was when I left because Anybody who's been in that kind of situation will tell you, you feel like when you leave, it's like you're getting deprogrammed from a cult. Mm -hmm. It really is. You have to re-experience what normal life is like. And then you go through this process of, well, who the heck am I? Who am am I? Do I even remember who I am? Mm -hmm. Who was I before all this uh, horrible stuff happened? And food for me was absolutely instrumental to that process. Uh, We went to go stay with extended relatives and my cousin slid a piece of paper across the table to me and she said, okay, um, since you're here, why don't we take turns cooking? And, you know, that way, you know, write down what you want to make this week and I'll buy it, you know, from Kroger and then we'll just take turns cooking and doing dishes. And I stared at that piece of paper and I couldn't think for the life of me, like, what the, wait, what, what cook? What, wait, what? Mm -hmm. And then it occurred to me, this beautiful epiphany of I can cook whatever I want. And nobody is going to, you know, harp on me for it. So I found myself going back to my Italian roots. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the first things I made was risotto because I missed it. <laughs> uh, I love that. And I mean, I flashed to the story that you told about, you know, your first kitchen being out of the dorm and making, being so excited to make risotto. Yeah. So you went back to that place. I went right back to all those flavors and dishes that I, I had such a passion for in my late teens and early twenties. Like I made risotto and I made chicken cacciatore and I started integrating my favorite ingredients like olives. I couldn't get enough olives and sun-dried tomatoes and pesto. And I started baking bread again. And um, I started baking biscotti by the dozens. I mean, just once I found a, <laughs> once I found a recipe for them, I really liked, I just was like every week I was baking biscotti just because, because I could. Mm-hmm. And kind of by virtue of that, my kids' palate started to expand and they were very interested in what, what is this food that mom is making? What is this? Where does this come from? What is this? You know, my oldest, he loves cheese, any kind of cheese. Mm-hmm. Give that child cheese, he's happy. So he was very excited to explore like Parmigiano Reggiano and 
Verano Padano and Pecorino Romano and, you know, uh, some of the, the more Mediterranean influenced cheeses. He, you know, he loved those things. And my, all three of my kids love olives. They will eat olives all day long if you let them. And it was such a nice way to come to rediscover that part of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very and experience it anew through your children as well. Yes. And it was very grounding because, you know, when you're kneading bread dough or you're chopping vegetables or, you know, you're sauteing things in a skillet, you have to, you just have to be there. Mm-hmm. You just have to be in the present moment and working with your ingredients. And it, that, that's been lovely. And now my kids have much b- bigger, broader palettes and my oldest one attempts to say words in Italian and it's really cute to hear him try. <laughs> um, and, and it was, it was tremendously healing to do that and get back to it. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. That's, that's a really beautiful story. And I'm glad that, you know, you're getting back to your old ways and teaching your kids and getting back in the kitchen and in control of your kitchen. Yes. And that, well, thank you for letting me prattle on about it. <laughs> Yes, there's something there's something to be said, whether you are a man or a woman or or something in between or you identify differently. It's like when you have your own kitchen as it's and it's the heart of your home. It really is mm-hmm. something about that space being yours and things are arranged the way you like it. And you and you stocked it with the ingredients or the, the foods that you really enjoy. There's there's something tremendously comforting in that. And it's nice to pass on some of my family's culinary traditions now with my kids because I have the freedom to do so. And I mean, there's really nothing like feeding your kids, like seeing them enjoy the food that you put in front of them and knowing that you're nourishing them. It's really the best feeling in the world. Yes. That, now that is, a, that is a good feeling. You know, it's a swing and a miss sometimes. <laughs> yeah. With kids, I mean, you know, it's always, <laughs> you, never, you never know what they're going to like from one minute to the next. But no. um, when, when they sit down and they enjoy a meal and they, you know, maybe ask for seconds and they have maybe pasta sauce all over their face and they're smiling, eating there's there's really nothing nothing better than that it is there's something really lovely and and special and 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 just I don't know it's it's cliche but it's heartwarming when you do that Mm -hmm. with and for your kids there's just something about that that's so homey Mm -hmm. and it's so nice I mean last week I roasted all I did for the kids was I roasted asparagus for dinner because I happen to really like it and that's you know it's one of those kind of Kids either love it or hate it vegetables. Mm-hmm. And we just tossed it. The kids helped me snap the asparagus at spears and we tossed it with olive oil and Parmigiano Reggiano. And I chucked it in the oven and let it accidentally get a little too crunchy. But wouldn't you know, it was a blessing in disguise because my two oldest ate like three helpings a piece of it. Basic. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't touch the other food on their plate. They're like, can we have more asparagus? Can we have more asparagus? I'm like, yeah, eat your vet. Can you eat a little bit of your protein? I have more, <laughs> yeah. but can you eat a little bit of protein, please? And then you can have more asparagus. And that, that is so gratifying. I love when that happens when, you know, I'm like, oh, do we have more broccoli around? You know, my kid will randomly eat like three bowls of broccoli. I'm like, what is going on? You like this. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. We like it when they like the good stuff. Yeah, for sure. What would you say is your favorite quick meal or like a takeout meal? Mm. Something that you like, you maybe tried to make, but you're like, no, you know what? It's just better takeout. Oh, well, <laughs> well, no, I don't want to say a lot of things are better takeout because there's some things that are just better homemade. 
as you can imagine, I don't get a lot of Italian food takeout. I tend to make that myself. But yes, well, I mean, it sounds amazing. I wouldn't want to have takeout Italian. But you know what? I actually, I really love Indian food. Mm, if too. I'm going, if I'm going to order takeout as something that I would prefer not to make myself, I love Indian food. The flavors are so bright and so beautiful, and Indian food is so colorful. Mm-hmm. You know, the the vibrant reds and oranges and yellows and just. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. Just, it's like you take a spoonful of anything and anything is amazing and delicious. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's just the rich curries and the buttery naan and oh, just mm-hmm. all of it. It's so good. Korma is my favorite. I could eat korma all day. It's just so good. Oh, mm-hmm. delicious. Yes. I actually haven't had good Indian takeout in a while. Yeah. Hmm. I might have to, might have to look up some takeout menus. You should. You should. Well, I'd love that. Well, I had so much fun chatting with you today. Is there anything you want to share with us today? Anything? I don't know if you have like an Instagram that people can follow you or if you're private. (laughs) Well, I've never been asked that before. (laughs) Uh, I I tend to keep things a little bit more on the private side now, but I I will tell you a funny story about my younger brother who worked for a restaurant in the hometown we grew up in. And this restaurant was owned by two brothers from Sicily, Casey and Emilio. And when I say from Sicily, I mean, they were off the boat from Sicily and they went back every year to go buy wines and cheeses and things and stock up to run their restaurant. And they loved my brother so much because he was such a good waiter that they taught him their tiramisu recipe. Mm, And I will always remember... I think it was Emilio who took my brother and he was teaching him and he was showing him how you add the rum to the coffee and the sugar to dunk the Savoy already lady fingers in. And he said, you can't always the holy water, man. You got to save the holy water, which is what he called the rum. I just love that he called the rum the holy water. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but that that story, it's, it still tickles me, my brother learning. Emilio's tiramisu recipe with the holy water. I love that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to like get a decanter and label it holy water and just put a whole bunch of rum in it. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. I think you should. But I'm, I'm an yes, enabler well, when it comes to food. I'm like, you should do that. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, you know, I, I feel like we need to plan a trip to Italy because I want to be there when you experience your first bruschetta. Oh, yes, please. Yes, please. It just, it just, it just hits different when you're in that, in that Roman sun or that Tuscan sun or the, you know, Florentine oh, sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's different when the tomatoes have come off of the vines in the fields, you know, 20 feet that way, or, you know, the olive oil was cold pressed earlier that year from the local olive trees and the wine is from the vineyards that are right down the road. It's just, it's different in some way. I can't explain how it's just different. The funny story. Um, so my one of my best girlfriends is Greek. So she spends uh, pretty much every summer in Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever she'd get back, she would just, you know, we'd be walking down the street and she'd roll her eyes and she goes, I know this is silly, but you can, I always get so annoyed standing in, so our local airport's Pearson, standing in Pearson, waiting to go through customs on my way back from Greece and hearing everyone speak English. Like in Europe, it's not even that you just hear, only hear Greek, you hear Italian, you hear, you know, all these different languages and it just sounds like music. And then you land at Pearson and everyone's speaking English. And I was like, (laughs) 
Oh, okay. And then literally on my first trip back, I had gone to Greece with her and then I had met another girlfriend in Italy. Mm-hmm. And that was my very first trip. I think I was like 22 or 23 and I only speak English. And I was standing in Pearson and I heard people speaking English all around me <laughs> and I was so annoyed. And I got it because I had just spent, you know, two and a half weeks, three weeks traveling through Europe and only hearing, you know, these beautiful languages and just loveliness. So even just being in that atmosphere, everything is going to taste better. Everything is going to smell better. Everything is going to just have that delicious je ne sais quoi aspect to it when you're in Europe. Give me a ticket. (laughs) Someone book this lady a ticket stop, please. Book me a ticket. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. Let's do it. (laughs) Well, I had so much fun today, Kristen. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you for inviting me. I I feel really privileged. Well, I do want to wrap it up with some just silly rapid fire questions. Okay. And then we'll say bye. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? All right. Uh, Water or Land. Land. (laughs) <laughs> apple or pineapple apple favorite drink coffee um okay so imagine you're in a cafe anywhere in the world i think i can probably guess what you're gonna say but yeah. you hear a clinking of glasses and people chatting and maybe some music mm-hmm. what city are you in uh naples naples and are are you inside or outside outside and what are you drinking wine and are you eating something of course <laughs> and who are you with my mom and my children i love it and if you were to pick a food to describe your personality, what would it be? Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Well, hold on. I'm, I'm going to have a think on that one for a minute. Mm-hmm. A food to describe my Wait. Of course I do. Risotto. Yes. It's earthy. It's homey. It's comforting. It's made with love. It's versatile and changes with the seasons. And sometimes it sticks to the pan and is mildly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, that was perfect. Love it. I aim to make people laugh. So if I made somebody laugh, I've had a good day. Well, you've made me howl. So thank you so much. I've had such a fun night and I can't, I can't wait to chat with you again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Kristen. Have a great night. Thank you, you too. Before we go, I want to apologize this episode was a bit late. It was a busy weekend here in North America. My guest today is American, and she just celebrated the 4th of July, which is their Independence Day. Here in Canada, we had Canada Day on July 1st, which by some, including myself, this year marked a day of mourning. The news is emerging, and it's horrible. I have a heavy heart about it, and before I speak on it, I want to be better educated and working to understand the atrocities that happened not that long ago. Not hailing from anywhere else has me feeling uneasy about what happened on this land by white settlers. We must do our best to support the Indigenous and Native communities at this time and moving forward. Thank you for listening.